Happy Sabbath, Pioneer. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on the Holy Sabbath day. I bring you greetings from the saints out in Benton Harbor, Michigan at Harbor of Hope. I want to just share a few things that the Lord has been doing. You know, this summer has been quite a busy summer uh, for us as a congregation and especially for me uh, as a pastor. Uh, I've been traveling, trying to raise funds to support our work. And I want to thank many of you. Uh, We've gone around this community in Berrien Springs, going door to door canvassing. And many of you have purchased books and literature from us. And uh, those funds have been used to go towards supporting our ministry. So I want to say thank you uh, for that. Excuse me, thank you for that. Uh, I also uh, want to uh, thank you for your prayers and for your financial support over the years and helping us continue to do what God has called us to do. And I solicit your prayers and continued support as well. I want to turn your attention to our scripture this morning found in the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke chapter 23. The gospel according to Luke chapter 23. And I want to read in your hearing verses 32, I'm sorry, verses 39 to 43. Luke chapter 23 verses 39 to 43. And the Bible says these words. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? And seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, the tale of two thieves and the man in the middle. The tale of two thieves and the man in the middle. I invite you to bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless your people through the preaching of your word. And so I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight and encouraging to your people. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I have yet to find one human being who just enjoys being in the presence of a thief. I'm still trying to find at least one person who gets excited when they come into the company of somebody who they know will steal from them. You see, I grew up around thieves. Thieves who would break inside of your car and take valuable things. I'm talking about people who you have to be careful that you don't have any extra change in your cup holder in your car when they get in the car. Because when they get out, it's going to be gone. 
I'm talking about people who will steal your wallet and then help you look for it. (laughs) I've yet to find a person who enjoys being in the presence of a thief. See, the neighborhood that I grew up in, there were a lot of thieves there. And the reason why I know there were a lot of thieves in my neighborhood is because they broke in our house all the time. As a matter of fact, I believe that my house that I grew up in was the practice house. Like, if you were becoming a professional thief and you needed some practice as to how to break in somebody's house, hey guys, 505 down the street, that's where you go. My house was like rehearsal. This is how you steal. This is how you break in. So much so that I developed, I developed what I call a, 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 a disease called a, a hide it tundris. Hide it tundra is a disease. Let me break that down for you. See, see, the disease causes you to hide it under stuff. <laughs> see, when I got married, seriously, when I got married, my wife used to, like, she used to wonder, like, why in the world are you hiding stuff in the house? <laughs> like, we live here. So anywhere I go, whether I'm at the hotel, I have a tendency to hide things under the bed or hide things under the couch or hide things under a refrigerator or just, I just be hiding stuff. Sometimes I end up hiding it from myself. That's what happens when you, when you grow up in the presence of thieves or you grow up, you know, you, 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 you're in an environment where people are stealing all the time. And so, so, so nobody likes to be around thieves. Uh, but when I look in the Bible, I see that Jesus actually loved being around thieves. He was, watch this, in the beginning of his ministry, he was around two thieves. You had Matthew, who was a tax collector, and you had Judas, who was a thief. And tax collectors were stealing as well. At his, on his, uh, in his dying moments, Jesus was still hanging in between two thieves. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that we serve a God who just loves being in the presence of people who got issues, people who got problems, people who are messed up, people who are towed up from the flow up. I'm thankful that we serve a God who loves to be around people who got issues. Like, it's amazing that he even wants to be around you. <laughs> I include myself in that as well. So, so, so these two thieves now that Jesus is hanging in between as he's dying on the cross, these two thieves, I like to say that these two thieves are really uh, two theologians. Because when we study what they say, when we study this situation, there are some things that you can learn from these two thieves. There are some lessons that you, can, you and I can learn from these two thieves. And if we pay very close attention, I believe that we will walk away from the house of God today with, 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 with some principles as to how to respond to life's crucifixions. Here these men are. They are being crucified, and they will teach us, based on their response, they will teach us the right way and the wrong way and a deeper way to respond to life's crucifixion. Now, you may have never been crucified. Anybody ever been hung on a cross? I didn't think so. But here's what I discovered. Here's what I discovered. I discovered that life has a way of crucifying you. 
If you haven't lived long enough, trust me when I say this, there will be some things that take place in your life. Maybe somebody has already been experiencing some levels of crucifixion. Maybe you've got a sickness or a cancer or some disease that's causing havoc in your life and you feel like you're being crucified. That's life crucifixion. Maybe somebody look at their bank account this morning and you, real, and you look at you, like, Lord have mercy, I feel like I'm being crucified. Maybe your marriage is not the way that it should be. Your wife is causing some problems or your husband is causing some problems or your children. Or maybe you have a, a, a boss who feels that it is his job to crucify you. I don't know. But what I do know is that when we study these two thieves, when we study these two men's responses to their crucifixion, there are some things that we can take away from it to apply to our own lives. So let's first look at the thief on the left. The thief on the left, when you look at his response, that's not the response that you want to have right there. He's, he's, pretty, he's, pretty, he's pretty upset. Let's look at what he says in the midst of, of his crucifixion. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. So his response, watch this, guys, his response, his response was the response of blasphemy. Here he is now. He's going through it. He's being crucified. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. He's blaspheming Jesus because of something that he's done. See, the problem with some of us is when we find ourselves going through life's crucifixions, we're in the midst of some terrible pain. We're suffering the consequences of our own actions, and yet we are blaming it on God. God didn't put you in that situation. You did. And so how does he blaspheme? Watch this. How does he blaspheme? Here's blasphemy, guys. I know we usually, you know, when, when we see Jesus, uh, 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 those, the, the Pharisees accusing Jesus of blasphemy when he says he can forgive sins, and they said nobody can forgive sins, but God, why are you blasphemy? But according to this passage, in the context of this story, blasphemy is doubting God's identity and ability to save you in your time of suffering. Where do you get that from? Well, it's right there in the text. The Scripture says, the Scripture says that he said, if you are the Christ, that if part, he's questioning the, the, the identity of God. And here's what I learned when you, when you question God's identity. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're, 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 you're questioning his divinity. And once you begin to question his divinity, you begin to question now his humanity. You know, people have been doing studies and writing books and creating documentaries about the, 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 the historical Jesus or the, the humanity of Jesus. Was he really a human being? Did Jesus really, the person really exist? And once you start questioning his divinity and his humanity, now, watch this, now, just like this guy on, on the cross, he begins to question his, his ministry because he doesn't understand his ministry. He says, listen, hey, if you are really God, then I need you to come down from that cross. Save yourself and us. Well, he, here, here, here's, here's what I love about Jesus. Here's what I love about Jesus. And, 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 and I pray by the grace of God that this will become very true in my life every single day, right? Jesus does not try. He's not caught up in trying to prove himself. 
He's been, he's been hearing this if question about his identity his entire ministry. When he first started out, the devil said, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down and God will send angels to uphold you. If If, as he's on the cross, the soldiers are saying if, the rulers are saying if, and now this thief is saying if. Jesus has been dealing with the if question his entire life, and not one single time does he ever try to prove himself. Can I talk to somebody today? See, some of us right now, we get caught up in trying to prove ourselves to be better than what folks say we are because we don't know who we really are. Listen, 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 I've met young people, I've met young people who go throughout their lives trying to prove to their parents that they are better than them or they're trying to live up to their parents' expectations when their parents' expectations are not godly expectations. And so God wants us to get to the point in our our lives where we are so comfortable with who we are. The reason why Jesus did not try to prove himself is because he understood who he was. At his baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration, God declared that this is my beloved son whom I love and him I am well pleased. God accepted him. God affirmed him. God let Jesus know, you're my child, you're my boy, and you need to understand the same thing as well. You don't have to live your life trying to prove yourself to nobody. I'm not about to work a miracle just for you to believe. As a matter of fact, when you're trying to prove your life, to, when you're trying to prove stuff to people who don't, you know, people who don't even care about you. Like, Jesus had been performing miracles his whole life. And people still didn't believe. No matter how, how much money you try to make to prove to somebody else that this is, you know, that, that you can do it or, or, or how many people you baptize or how well you preach or, or how, whatever, whatever the gift and talent that God has given you, God says, listen, I don't want you to try to use that to prove other people wrong. I want you to use that to glorify me. Because proving people wrong, there's no end to it. But if I'm using what God has given me to bring honor and glory to him, I can rest satisfied at the end of my day. Here's a quote from Self to Christ, page 105. God has never removed the possibility of doubt. That's what the gentleman was doing. He was doubting. He was doubting whether or not God was really the Messiah. He says, God has never removed the possibility of doubt. Our faith must rest upon what, everybody? Evidence, not demonstration. Not demonstration. Go to the next slide, please. Those who wish to doubt will have opportunity, while those who really desire to know the truth will find plenty of evidence on which to rest their faith. If you really want to know, if you really want to experience the power of God in your life, there's plenty of evidence for you to rest upon that. God is not asking you to believe in him blindly, to trust him blindly. No, there is evidence of his goodness. There is evidence of his grace. There is evidence of his love for us. And he says, based on the evidence, I want you to believe. So the first response was a response of blasphemy. And, 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 and see, the man, the man said, you know, Jesus, I want you to save us, uh, save yourself and us. But he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't really, you know, he, he wanted God to deliver him from the consequences of his sin 
not necessarily the sin itself. And sometimes we're praying, Lord, I want you to deliver me, but we want to go back into the thing that we were doing that got us messed up in the first place when God is trying, he's staying on the cross in order to deliver us from sin. First response is the response of blasphemy. Let's look at the second one. Let's look at the thief on the right, the thief on the right, the thief on the right. Now, when you look at the thief on the right, as I'm doing my study, I'm reading, I'm reading commentaries, and I'm reading Desire of Asia. Oh, I love the book Desire of Asia. I'm reading Desire of Asia. And as I read the Desire of Asia, I discover some background information about this gentleman that I had never read before. So watch this, guys. Watch this. The thief on the right, this is good stuff. The thief on the right, read this, watch this. The thief on the right, this was not, come on, say was not. This was not a hardened criminal. You need to catch this. You need to catch this. This man, listen, he wasn't, he wasn't this, this, this hardcore thug. Like I just punched you in the face because you, you looked at me wrong. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't a, he wasn't a gang banger. Like he wasn't somebody, he wasn't somebody who just got all, you know, got 35 tattoos on his face. And he just like, you know what, what you want to do? He wasn't that guy. He wasn't going to jump out of the car when, 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 and roll rage and go and, 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 and punch, punch a glass in, 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 in your window. He wasn't going to do that. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't a hardened criminal. Well, if he wasn't a hardened criminal, how in the world did he end up on the cross? Watch this. He had been led astray. Watch this, guys. He had been led astray by evil associations. In other words, it was the people that he hung around. It was his associations. It was his friends. It was, hear me, hear me, hear me. You've got to be very, very careful of who you hang out with. If you are a Christian, you, can't just, you, just, you just can't kick it with everybody. You can't go to every party. You can't go to every basketball game, every football game. You can't just get in the car with anybody. You can't do that. You can't just get in a relationship. You can't just marry anybody just because she looked good or he got muscles. <laughs> the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. So you might be a good person, you go to church, you in Sabbath school, right? You've been in Sabbath school since day one. But you mess around and hook up with the wrong people, hanging around with the wrong crowd, you find yourself on the cross. But watch this. He had been led astray by evil associations, but he was less guilty than many of those who stood beside the cross reviling the Savior. How in the world is that possible? I'll tell you how. Watch this. We're talking about a young man, a young man who, watch this, he has seen and heard Jesus. He was probably sitting down when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount. Like, wow, that's deep. He heard some teachings of Jesus. Maybe he was hanging outside, you know, when they crowded the house of Jesus. Jesus was inside the house, and, and the man came down through the, wind, through, the, uh, well, through the ceiling, right? It was a big crowd, and Jesus preached the word. He was probably sitting in that crowd. He heard some good teaching. Wow, that's powerful. 
He had heard Jesus. He had seen Jesus. And on top of that, the teachings of Jesus had convicted him. Like he knew that the lifestyle that he was living was wrong. He knew that the people that he was associating with was wrong. He understood that. But he had been turned away from Jesus by the priests and the rulers. Oh, man, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. How in the world? How in the world? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me go to the screen. Watch this. Watch this. I need you to get this point. Somebody need to receive this today. Somebody need to receive this today. Don't let the leaders in the church turn you away from the head of the church. It was, listen, it was the folk who had the PhDs and the D-men's in religion. It was the church leadership who, 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 who helped this young man lead the church. Because of their actions, because of their teachings, because of their crazy thinking, because of their misbehavior. Let me tell you something. There are, there are, there are leaders who are in the church who are, in this church right here, Adventist Church, who are amazing. Love God, love Jesus, love the mission of the church. And there are some folk who who, who, who just crazy, who shouldn't be there. No, just straight up, straight up. And, and hear me, you have to be careful. I'm talking about, listen, I've heard some stories. Some, 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 there are folk who, who, who taking money from the church, who stolen millions of dollars from the, from the church. Look, millions of dollars or a dollar from the church, still the same thing. There are people who, I'm talking about who, who, who slept with women, who've had, who, who molested children in the church. I'm not talking about the Catholic church. In the church. This one right here, the Adventist church. But don't let a leader's misbehavior cause you to waver from your Savior. I didn't even think about that. I just, that just came out. I wasn't even. This is Holy Ghost, right? I'm t- listen, I'm telling you, I'm, I, listen, I put myself in that category. I put myself in that category. Listen, not le- church leaders, I'm talking about from the pulpit to the pew. Church members. Folk kill me talking about, man, there's some crazy people at that church. I don't want to go to that church because them folk messed up. Here's the truth. You messed up too. Yeah. <laughs> I promise you, you're not perfect. So we're going to make mistakes, right? But don't let that, listen to me, don't let, don't let, don't let, don't let a leader's misbehavior cause you to waver from trusting in your Savior. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I remember about, uh, this happened about three weeks ago. I was at my church out in Ben Harbor, and somebody called and said, hey, listen, pastor, my mother died, uh, and we're trying to bury her. Like, we're trying to bury my mom. Uh, I was just wondering if you guys could help us out. And I said, well, listen, I can't guarantee you anything, but come by, fill out this application, and I'll see what we could do, right? So she came by the church, and um, when I saw her, I gave her the application, asked her to fill out the application. She filled out the application real quick, boom, 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 right? And then I said, look, uh, all right, I'll get back to your sister, and, and we'll talk later. So she left. Probably about five or six hours later, I got a text message. And the text message was from this same lady. And she said, uh, Pastor, you know, I was really uh, uncomfortable and, 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 and disturbed when I met you today. I'm like, what I, what, did I do something? Did I say something? She went on to say that, you know, uh, you know she expressed disappointment. She said, you know, uh, 
I didn't lose my house. I didn't, my, my, my lights didn't get turned off. I didn't lose my car. I lost my mother. And I was expecting some prayer or something. And that thing hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, Lord. Listen to me, guys. Here, look, here I am. I'm caught up in trying to make a transaction. When this lady was looking for some encouragement, some prayer, some inspiration, some comfort, some, hey, sister, it's going to be all right. What am I saying? Listen, I'm the pastor. And I made this terrible blunder. So I replied to her. I said, hey, sister, look, you are so right. I apologize. Please forgive me. You know, and I took, and, and, and I'm like, Lord, what, you know, what, what can I say to her? And, 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 and I believe the Lord gave me these words. I said, I said, sister, look, let today be an example to you that, hey, human beings, pastors included, can disappoint you, let you down, but I want you to know that God never will. He'll never hurt you. He'll never intentionally disappoint you. He will never, he, he, are you understanding what I'm saying? And, and, and I just need somebody who's been hurt by some church leader, who's been hurt by the church. I need you to understand not to allow that thing to keep you from where God wants you to be inside of his body, his church. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. So watch this now. Watch this. So here's this guy. Here's this guy now. He's, 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 he's on the cross, right? He's on the cross. He's led this lifestyle. It's turned him away from the church. Watch this. Now, after being turned away, after being turned away, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. When he left the church, right, this is what happens. This is what happens when you leave the church. This is what happens, right? Seeking to stifle conviction, he had plunged deeper and deeper into sin until he was arrested, tried as a criminal, and condemned to die on the cross. See, what happens is you hear, teach, you hear the teachings of Jesus, you are convicted as he was convicted, and then when somebody turns you away, hear me, watch this, guys, in order to stifle that conviction, in order to quiet the voice of the Holy Spirit, he plunged deeper and deeper into sin. In other words, in other words, in other words, what happens is you start having, you start using more and more and more drugs. You start having more and more and more illicit sex. You start having more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You start plunging deeper and deeper. You bounce from one relationship to another relationship. You got one issue, and now your, 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 your issues are deeper because they are compounded because you are trying to quiet the voice of God that has been speaking to your heart. And then, that one last time, he got caught. He was arrested. He was tried as a criminal. And I tell you this, I believe that this man is going to be in heaven because he got caught. Trust me when I say this. Sometimes Somebody, rather, need to say, Lord, I need to get caught. Him being there in that place, 
is what leads to our, or led, is what leads to our second response. And that response is this, not responding with blasphemy, but responding with belief. This man is on the cross. He's on the cross. And as he's up here now, the, the, the conversation turns. The conversation turns. He's on the cross. He's back here. Oh, this is good. He still see me. He's on the cross. And as he's on the cross, he looks down toward the other man, and he, the Bible says that he rebukes him. Hey, shut up. What are you talking about? You are up here on the cross. We are up here on the cross because we deserve it. We did it. We are guilty, as has been charged. But this man, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says, this man, he's in us. He hadn't done a thing. And, and, and this man, he, he, start, he starts breaking down, he starts breaking down salvation. He said, listen, first, first he, said, he said, don't you fear God? Don't you recognize that you too are under condemnation? He begins to take responsibility for his own guilt. He sees Jesus and his righteousness, and then he cries out. He says, the Bible says, then he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was because, hear me guys, he got caught. And I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, I'm going to go and I'm going to interview this guy. I'm going to sit down with him and talk to him and say, hey, man, listen, I preached this sermon at PMC about you, and I need you to make sure that everything that I said was true, all right? <laughs> He'll say, sure, Taurus, go right ahead. So listen, man, listen, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to tell me what was the best day of your life. What's the best day? I'm talking about the very best day of your life. What was the very best day of your life? Was it when you graduated? He's going to say, nope. Was it, was it, was it? He's going to say, nobody ain't graduate. Yeah, well, what, 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 was it your 16th birthday? Nah, it wasn't my 16th birthday. Well, well, do me a favor. Tell me and all these people, when was the best day of your life? And I will guarantee you that he's going to say that it was the day that I got crucified. You see, you see, you see, sometimes the crucifixions, sometimes the crucifixions that life throws at you are actually preparing you for paradise. Look, he, 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 he got, he got locked up so he can look up. He went to jail so he can escape hell. Come on, say amen. amen. See, 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 when, 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 when things are going uh, rough in our lives, when we're having a hard time or a difficult situation that you find yourself in, don't complain about it. God is setting you up for paradise. This man responded with belief. He believed that in spite, of how, in spite of how I'm feeling right now, even in spite, man, he put his faith in God when God looked like he was at his lowest point. And you know how God responds to belief? You know how God responds to faith? Radical faith, crazy faith in the midst of you going through your go-through. This is how God responds. Jesus said these words, and Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. 
See, this response is, a, is, 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 is that third level, that third level, and that third level of response is a response, go to the screen for me, is the response of blessing. What do I mean by that? Blessing is, the response of blessing, when you're when you going through your terrible time, your rough situation, when you're going through your go-through, when life is crucifying you and you can respond in a way that you're trying to be a blessing to somebody else, that's the next level. Jesus is going through the same thing that they're going through, yet his situation is worse because his sins and his sins and your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world are upon him. So even when you are going through something that is worse than the person around you and you're still trying to be a blessing, that's the response that God wants you to have. But you know, a lot of times when we're going through stuff, man, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear what you're going through. I don't want to hear your problems or your problems. I need you to listen to my problems. That's how we are. But God is saying, no, I want to, I want to, I want to move you deeper than that. I want to move you to a place in your life where when you find yourself at your lowest point, you still have enough faith in me to turn to somebody else to be a blessing to them. Zarevage says that Jesus, as he's there on the cross, as he's there on the cross, and he's, he's, he, 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 he's, he's discouraged. And then when this guy to his right says what he says, he perked up. He was comforted, she says, by his words. And here's what I love. Here's what I love. Here's what I love. What I love about this is that this man is also teaching us how we are saved. Notice when he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus doesn't say, well, well, you, you've been sinning. All y'all know you stole those can- that candy when you were five and, 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 and you cheated on your tests and you, he doesn't break up his issues. Oh, come on, somebody. What if, what if, what if when you come to God, he start bringing up your stuff? Nah, I can't be, I, I love, I love, the, I love the young man who got baptized. Oh, man. Even if you're a big sinner, God says, come. God says, come. And, 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 and I, I need to close, I need to close. And, and, and before I close, listen, I need you to understand, I need you to understand Jesus' words when he says, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The first thing, listen, if you want to be a blessing to somebody, the first thing you need to do is you need to give them a sense of assurance. You know, people are going through some stuff. When that lady came to me, that lady came to me, she was looking for some assurance. Let me know that it's going to be all right. There are people who stand in need of your assurance, and by your assurance, I'm saying you being the one who is saying to them, notice the, the, the next thing Jesus said, Jesus said, I say to you, look, if you want to be a blessing to somebody, speak assurance to them. Speak the promises of God into their lives. And do it today. 
See, when you hear a sermon or you're reading a book or you're, here, or you're watching a message on television or whatever, right, when, when that's happening and, and, and oftentimes the Spirit of God, he will begin speaking to you and say, listen, I want you to do this or I want you to do that to be a blessing to somebody else. And, and what happens is we stifle the conviction we don't, when we don't act upon it immediately. So Jesus didn't say to him, hey, look, I say to you next week, I'm telling you right now, you will be with me in paradise. Here's the third thing. You need to offer them something better. You're trying to be a blessing to somebody. Speak hope to them. Give them assurance and, and, and let them know that God loves them and that God wants to be with them in paradise. In other words, you are offering them something better. This is what Jesus was doing when he was standing when he, when he was nailed to the cross in the middle of these two thieves, he was standing in the gap between heaven and hell, between life and death. And God wants us to do the same with people. Yes. i tell you this last story. Uh, my church, we go out to the community and we have this initiative called Go Mad Now. Go Mad Now stands for Go Make a Difference Now. When we go out, barbershop, uh, we have this thing called Barbershop Blessing, where we go into the barbershop, put about 5 or $10 on some young men's haircut, share a word from, them, from the Lord, with, you know, like words of encouragement, have prayer, maybe sing a song, hold hands in the barbershop. Barbershop cutting hair, and we just take over the barbershop, right? We also go, to the, we also go to, the, to the gas station, go to the gas station, go to the laundromat. But there was one time we went to the gas station. And when we go to the gas station, we invite, I mean, you know, we, we have a little system going, right? So the system is you have about five or six people outside. They have tickets so that when someone pulls up and, and they are in need of some gas, that per, we give that person a ticket. That person comes inside the gas station. And we have two people stationed inside of the gas station who collects the tickets and then pays the cashier for the person's gas. Now, we're just doing like $5 worth of gas. And let me tell you something, $5 is a big deal. I didn't know that until I got there. I'm talking people breaking down crying. I can't believe this. Where y'all from? Why y'all doing this? I'm like, wow, praise God. But there was one particular time we went to the gas station. Watch this, guys. We went to the gas station. And as one of our guys go inside the gas station, there were two young men who they saw. And these two young men we're getting ready to steal something from the gas station. And our guy, his name is Kerry. Kerry saw the two gentlemen, young teenagers, 13, 14 years old, saw the two gentlemen. He said, hey, what are you doing, man? Don't do that. You could end up going to jail. The two young men looked at Kerry, looked at the cashier, and took off out of the door. When I heard that story, when I heard that, I said to myself, I said, I wonder how many people are in prison or in jail or allowing life's crucifixions to beat them down because the people of God are not present to stand in the gap. Just being present. We didn't go to the gas station looking for thieves. But we were present. And being present 
prevented two young people from going to jail that day or from getting away with it and being convinced that, well, it worked that time, I can do it again and then again, and next thing you know, they got a bigger crime that they're involved in, and now they're in prison for the rest of their life or the dead. God wants you to stand in the gap for somebody. As we close, I want you to take out your connect cards. It's time to make some decisions. If you would, be so kind, just fill out the connect card. Information on the front, but on the back here, I want to challenge you to take some next steps today. To take some next steps today. And that first step is, hey, when life throws crucifixions at me, I want to respond to those crucifixions with radical faith in Jesus Christ. If that's your desire, then put a check there. Somebody says, you know, I, I, I realize that I can be doing something. There are people that I know who, who, who desperately need God. They've got issues in their lives. I'm not saying that you're judging somebody. I'm simply saying you know, the Bible says that by man's fruit, you will know them. So based on how they are living their life, you know that they desperately need God. And you feel that God is leading you to stand in the gap for them. And you want to say, Lord, I'll do it. Put a check there. Lastly, someone says, hey, I believe in what Harbor of Hope is doing out there, and I want to help them stand in the gap. And so you say, I want to help Harbor of Hope with my prayers, time, and resources as the Lord leads. Then put a check there. Lastly, on August the 26th, you will have the opportunity to stand in the gap for some young person, some new student, where you'll be able to serve them, and you want to say, hey, I want to participate in the new student potluck on August the 26th. Put a check there. It's my understanding that your help is very much needed to make this day a success. So if you would, please put a check there to stand in the gap for some young person. After you've made those decisions, you will have the opportunity to turn these in. But before we do that, please bow your heads with me as we pray and ask God to seal our decisions. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we are grateful for you standing in the gap. Lord, we're grateful that you have given us an example, Lord, as to what radical faith looks like. Well, we see this, this man on the cross, God, who responds in blasphemy. Lord, we don't want to question your love for us or doubt your ability to, to deliver us from our trying times, God. We want to respond in radical faith. And Lord, we pray that you would give us opportunities and the courage to seek to be a blessing to somebody else. We thank you so much for hearing and answering this prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Let everybody who believes say amen. Amen. amen.